0: Greetings. How is it going? How is your fall doing? How is your favorite college or pro football team doing? I hope you're enjoying some fall activities and fun weather things like picking apples and I don't know pumpkins and things. Today, I have a guest and we're going to talk about strategies to alleviate work-related stress and fatigue, which is such a big issue right now with everything that's going on related to COVID and return to work and you know all the different configurations of work that are occurring as a result of the pandemic. There's not only more stress, I think, but there's also different kinds of stress than we have experienced in the past related to to our work. And I met Marina in a small group I was in through a women's organization. And we all had a chance to tell our story and what we were looking for in terms of either podcast guests or being on someone's podcast. And I think right on the spot, I said, Marina, I want you on my podcast. (laughs) So, (laughs) So thank you for being on the podcast today, Marina. Yes. Thank you for having me, Lisa.
1: Well, why don't you start by telling the folks your story? Tell them about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently a holistic stress coach, but my personal journey with overcoming my own stress started in about 2015. So I was in the corporate environment. I was first a consultant and then I became a project and then a program manager. So over the years, my own relationship with stress became more and more, I would say, pronounced as I was building my career and taking on more and more responsibility. With that, i found that stress started to really take a toll on my physical health and my mental health. And then of course, my relationships with my partner, my colleagues at work. So it was this ripple effect that I started to really become present to over time. And so... At the time, back in 2015, in 2016, I feel that we weren't talking about stress as much as we are today, or perhaps we were talking about it, but we weren't really doing anything about it just yet. And so I really went on my own journey to improving my health and wellness and... Over time, this has now evolved into what I do full-time. I've been building my business part-time as a health coach throughout the past three years and really dove in on focusing on the business and on stress as my main focus with my clients throughout the pandemic. So happy to be sharing what I learned and what I'm seeing and just really excited that you know now there's so many more tools available to us as it relates to dealing with stress and changing our relationship with stress. So that's that's really my passion. And and I have to say it, it is
0: obviously working for you, Marina, because I find you to be a very zen <laughs> individual. You come you come across as being very you know unflappable in a very good way. So kudos to you. It's obviously obviously working.
1: I appreciate that. And you know, it's interesting, actually, I used to get that often when I was in the corporate environment as well. And I think stress shows up very differently for different people. And underneath being really even keel and being able to deal with, you know, what the different projects and things that I was being work that I was working on, um, everything that was thrown my way on the surface, I appear very calm and collected, but underneath, you know, it doesn't mean that stress wasn't happening. I think today it's interesting for my coworkers to hear my journey now that I've been more open about it. And so I actually think that those of us who can maintain that. Calm and collected persona under pressure, we actually owe it to ourselves too to really be paying mindful attention of how stress is affecting us underneath it all, because we hear that so often for those of us who have this ability. And so for me, it was actually showing up as that detrimental effect that I was really present to on nights and weekends, where it was just like this fatigue and really digesting all the stress that my body was collecting. So, yes, I appreciate that. But also, if anyone else falls in the same category as me, I encourage you to, you know, maybe still lean into this conversation and really be mindful of of the stress in your life as well.
0: And I think there we've gone through a phase that hopefully we're coming out of, where there was some sort of badge of honor around how mm-hmm. many hours we've worked and how much pressure we have on us at work, and you know we we almost look down our nose at someone who seems to really have a good grasp on their work and the stress of their work, and hopefully we have we have educated ourselves and each other that that is not it's not a good thing. It's not a badge of honor. Honor. And, and so so what are you specifically seeing? And here we've got this COVID situation. We've got, you know, work from home. We've got work in office. We've got the hybrid arrangements. We've got all of the things going on around around COVID. So what are you seeing in terms of the stress and fatigue of these new arrangements?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a pretty high degree of variance and stress levels across the country and across different industries. I work with professionals one-on-one, but I also work with teams and companies to bring wellness workshops, things like guided meditations to wellness for the past year and a half, it's been mostly virtual events, but I've actually been on site for my first couple of workshops in person this past month. And so it's really interesting, you know, talking to professionals again in different states and in different industries. I think that those that are in the environment of, you know, more flexible work where potentially work from home is here to stay potentially forever, they are definitely having an easier time versus those who are still in this uncertain timeframe where the return to work is happening at some point, we just don't know when. And so I think the interesting thing that this whole work from home and the hybrid work environment situation has brought to light is... How little tolerance we have for uncertainty. It's almost as though people would rather have the bad news, whatever that might be, as opposed to prolonging the state of not knowing what the future holds. And I think that's just a a character trait that so many humans have, where, you know, that desire to minimize uncertainty is such a pressing need for us. And that's almost where a lot of that mental drain. And that pressure that we feel mentally of just not knowing what the rest of this year and 2022 is going to have in store is coming from. And in the same, that's kind of one of the themes that I'm seeing, but the positive thing is what you already alluded to. And it's that... You know, before the pandemic, I would give a lot of workshops and talk about very similar things around stress management and really putting ourselves first and prioritizing our self-care as a way to get ahead in our work. And I did not have the same level of engagement that I do today. So even the in-person workshops that I just hosted, not a single person left the room. Everyone was engaged. Everyone was following through on the exercises that I was sharing. And... Even the participants noticed that. So after the workshop, people were coming up and saying, isn't it amazing that no one left the room? Isn't it amazing that everyone was as engaged as they were? Mm -hmm. And we just got to talking on the difference that the pandemic made of, yes, in the negative way, of course, amplifying the stress that we feel and the uncertainty and all of the issues that are brought to light, but in a positive way. And I think hopefully where we're starting to trend with the rest of the year and in the new year is really focusing on, okay, if this is here to stay and it's really changed the world of work so significantly, how can we start to prioritize ourselves better now than we have before? It's definitely shedding light on that hustle culture that I think is hopefully finally out. It's no longer something that, as you said, we wear as a badge of honor and really starting to develop more empathy towards ourselves and towards our teams at work. Just knowing that, again, the uncertainty with what the future holds is high, so we may as well start to care for ourselves on a deeper level. Yeah, and I think the Great
0: Resignation really highlights the fact that people just won't put up with The an inordinate amount of stress, an unreasonable amount of stress at work. And one of those stressors, as you mentioned, is they don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen, how things are going to go back to, quote unquote, normal, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think I've said a number of times on this podcast that the companies who haven't been listening to their employees or who are making decisions without thinking about their people will be at the back of the line when it comes to employers of choice they simply won't be because if you can't give the employers and compel- employees a compelling reason why they have to be back in an 8 to 5 arrangement or why they whatever you're you're just not going to keep the ones you've got and you're going to have a hard time getting new ones
1: yeah, that's exactly right. And I know that so many of my friends have recently quit because of that exact reason for those companies that have mentioned a certain return to work and some even are already going back this fall. I had quite a few friends resign just over the past couple of months because... You know, the proof is there. They've been doing the work for the past year and a half as effectively, if not more than before. And so it just doesn't make sense to them why the return has to happen if what's working for them now is working. And yeah, I, I love that you said that. You know, I think more companies are realizing that too, that in order to stay competitive, they have to evolve and adapt to what employees' needs are today. So, yeah and and it
0: is a it is a sellers market in the sense of the employees are in the driver's seat in many industries not all but in many industries there is such a dearth of employees that they get to to run the kind of run the show and they're just not putting up with anything that isn't you know that doesn't make sense to them or that doesn't make a business sense so i'm wondering when we talk about stress and fatigue you know that i think we all know the usual things that we see in our bodies you know we get sick more often we might have headaches you know we might have furrows in our brow and additional lines on our face <laughs> may have gut issues what are some of the maybe less obvious stress signs that you that you see in people
1: yeah so you highlighted some really important ones. I think the connection with gut issues is so rarely recognized. And as I started to dive in and learn more and more about stress over the past three years, all of these connections started to come to light that I remember discussing with coworkers, you know, back in, you know, five years ago, talking about all these different issues that we're experiencing. And then in the same breath, talking about how much we're working, all the stress that we're experiencing, but rarely having the opportunity to draw that connection. And so today that's one of the things that I talk about the most is just the connection between stress and those downstream symptoms that we rarely in the past have attributed to stress. So the gut brain connection is incredibly strong hopefully some of us have already heard that the gut is now called the second brain and that's because so many of our feel-good neurotransmitters and chemicals are created in the gut and so when we have the imbalance and stress is affecting our mental health and our digestion we start to naturally create fewer of the feel-good chemicals that impact our mood our energy and our motivation so One important one is serotonin that has a really big impact on a number of those factors, such as mood. And stress is one of the things that impacts our gut health heavily. So we know that some of us, about 70% of people tend to overeat when we're under stress, and then the rest of us tend to undereat. So we have really significant impacts on hunger. And when we're either overeating or undereating, it impacts what it is that we're actually digesting. And whether or not we're digesting well. So, I love to say that it's not about what you eat, it's about what you absorb. And when we're under stress, we are usually either inhaling our food, we're not giving ourselves a chance to really properly digest the food, to chew it fully, to eat mindfully, or we're under eating. So, we're not giving our body the nutrition that it deserves when we're under stress. So, that's a really big impact to be mindful of. And then, One other that I think is rarely mentioned too, and I see this so much with my friends, which we are in our early 30s. So many of my friends are starting families, is the impact on fertility and how you know the effect that stress plays there. And many of these things can become developed over years of really not being mindful of how much we work, how many breaks we allow ourselves to take, and really those prolonged periods of rest. So as opposed to just... Just catching three hours at nighttime to yourself every weeknight. It's really using the full amount of PTO that we're given. And when we are taking breaks, being fully disconnected to make sure that our body has a chance to reset and clear away some of those stress hormones that circulate through our system day in and day out for so many of us, those are the hormones that have an impact on those downstream systems in the body, one of which being our fertility and the ability to start a family. And we see this right being a benefit that more and more employers are providing now as far as different fertility options, which is amazing. But the answer to so many of these things that we treat individually downstream starts with better work habits and giving employees more of an opportunity to actually take the breaks that they're given the PTO and to when we are away from work feel like we can fully shut off what it is that we're working on mm-hmm. and with the great resignation surely this is something that's going to potentially become more and more of a problem as those who quit leave those who are at work with more responsibilities and I think beyond all of the wellness benefits, which I'm a big proponent of and provide many of those to my clients, beyond all of those, it's really thinking about how can we not be asking so much of employees that we really fuel this burnout epidemic that's happening across the country. Boy, I
0: can absolutely identify with what you're saying, Marina. So often I will have people come to me. In fact, I had someone just this week who had a consult with me. And inevitably, these are extraordinarily stressed out people. They use the terms toxic environment and such. And inevitably what is going on is not only the number of hours that they are at work, this particular individual was working 18 hour days, but there was no time away from the cell phone. There was no time away from email. There was an expectation to be constantly available. And that is just, I think, kind of the perfect recipe for burnout.
1: Absolutely. With the amount of time that we now spend plugged in, in all of the different ways, our laptop, our phone, even for those of us who are still working from home potentially forever, I think one of the favorite quotes on this topic that I heard over the past year is that we're no longer working from home, we're living at work. Mm. And with that, (laughs) one of my favorite ways to You know, think about how we can put more space between us and technology is something interesting. When we have a new parent in the office or on our team, we tend to give them a little bit more slack as it relates to keeping up with all the notifications and their workload. When someone is maybe coming back from maternity or paternity leave, they're still new to this completely new world that they're living with and caring for a child. And so we tend to give them a little bit more of a break. And so think about for yourself, creating a version of a baby. (laughs) For some of us, that is an actual child that we have. But for many others, we know that when we cut someone some slack on the team, that means we are able to adjust in some way to the lifestyles that others on the team live and those unexpected and sometimes expected life changes that happen. And so how can you create that boundary for yourself and really communicating something to the team or to your manager that is as important as if you had just had a newborn. So just think about what that might be for you. And maybe there's an important cutoff as far as your time online that you would really like to honor that makes a huge difference for your mental and emotional well-being. This is, I think, one of the things that we wanted to get to today is really, you know, how can we start to communicate that to our employers? And so just think about it in those terms, right? What is your version of a baby? And if it's as important to you (laughs) as you think it might be, how can you start to really bring that to light on the team and with your manager? Because as you said, it's the companies who Are not going to be providing those flexible options and really listening to employees that are going to be at the back of the line. As the number of people who even want to stay full time employed reduces, really the employers and the HR teams owe it to those who are speaking up about these digital boundaries to listen in order to stay competitive.
0: Yeah, and to get really clear in your own head. And if you're a manager, To really look at this from your team perspective, or if you have to have a conversation with your boss about the fact that more hours of work does not equate better work. In fact, there's probably diagrams that show the opposite, an an inverse relationship between hours work, because at some point we're just not capable. And when I talk to someone like I did this week, who's putting in 18 hour days and constantly Connected, the quality just can't possibly be there. And so, having those conversations around the difference between quantity and quality and setting reasonable expectations, whether if you're a manager for your team about what they can accomplish and however long it takes them. I love companies, and I know of one in particular that I'm thinking of. It's all virtual, and she doesn't care whether you get it done in 10 hours a week or 50 hours a week. She wants you to get it done. And she prefers hustlers who can get it done in 10 hours a week and then have all this time. I mean, she herself, this is a coach, she works, this will blow your mind, Marina. She works (laughs) a three-day work week and her business brought in $50 million last year. So that's a perfect example of... And of course, on those times off, she's thinking about how she wants to serve her clients. She's thinking, you know, about new concepts she wants to introduce. But she's not she's not grinding all that time. She's out t- having in a walk with her dogs or on a trip and, and having fun and living her life.
1: That's such a good reminder too about just the law of diminishing returns as it relates to productivity, that more is actually worse. The more you work, the more mistakes you're going to be making. So that's always a good reminder for that team that is, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And, you know, something interesting to your point about this coach is I just earlier today on LinkedIn read an article about a fintech company that started with a four day work week and just the things that they're learning about it and how they're choosing to speak about it. And it's exactly what you said, right? It's it's the having options that creates the freedom. And so if someone is that go-getter who really wants to get everything done in those 4 days and then have that extra day off to themselves, that's fantastic. Whereas also having the flexibility to say if someone on the team prefers to stretch out that work and still show up for work on that Friday, they can do that as well. And so it's in the flexibility that i think stress is significantly reduced it's moving away from this one size fits all time frame and schedule moving away from that to give people a little bit more freedom and you know with that what i what also comes to mind now to me is the fact that we have such a thing as our chronotype so this relates to how much sleep and the time frame of sleep that we all individually need and it varies and i know that for me when i was in the corporate environment showing up at 10 and leaving at 7 is what worked best for me i loved my mornings to myself and i realized that you know i was that team member who was a complete outlier and it wasn't really accepted as okay i just kind of made it okay until of course i started focusing 100% of my time on my own business and i'm able to create those hours, but I think introducing more of that flexibility with our teams of just knowing who needs to have the morning or the evening to themselves based on their lifestyle, their family, their newborn, whatever it might be and just knowing that that's where we start to create high functioning teams because everyone is actually able to put in their best work with the fewer amount of mistakes in the time frame that works best for them. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've talked about
0: some of these strategies for coping with work-related stress. Have you got some other strategies that you would share with us?
1: Yeah, so in the event that uncertainty is something that, you're dealing with and really having a hard time around that piece since I mentioned that earlier what I would encourage everyone to do is something that is called uncertainty hacking so With the different scenarios of outcomes that could happen this fall and into 2022, as far as returning to work or staying in a hybrid environment, I would encourage everyone to just plan, you know, what would each one of those actually mean for me? What are the modifications that I will be prepared to take? What will I need to modify as far as my lifestyle goes? And with that, also identifying what the non-negotiables are that have worked Well, for you so far over the past year and a half to make sure that they stay with any new modification to the type of work environment that you will be in. I think oftentimes when we look into the future, this is a function of that overwhelmed, anxious thinking of really catastrophizing and thinking that the future is going to be worse than what we're currently in. Oftentimes that's that natural direction that our brain takes us on is if something is uncertain, we naturally want to predict all of the negative outcomes to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves safe. And so if that's something that tends to happen to you, if you tend to imagine a worse future than you have today, I really encourage you to first identify What has worked well today? If you look into the future and it causes you stress to think about a change, what is it that you're afraid of losing? And so how can you identify those things and to protect them and to have those really clear conversations with the team or with the HR team in the future when potentially you know, we have to renegotiate what work looks like is knowing, you know, I want my mornings to myself. I want to be sure that my mental health doesn't start slipping if I don't have the time to care for myself in any of the ways that I've been caring for myself over the past year and a half. I've heard a lot of this anxiety around losing the work schedule that's worked so well for us if we have had more time at home if we've had more time in the mornings or the evenings to ourselves maybe we've started to exercise a little bit more or enjoy more home cooked meals what are those things and how can you make sure that they're preserved in any scenario for the future that's one of the favorite things that i say when it comes to dealing with anxiety is just really knowing and being clear on what has to stay and then from that place, having those conversations to really make it clear to others and of course open up the conversation for others to also share what those might be for them. I love that suggestion
0: because otherwise we just sort of I, I think of you know the expression running around with chickens with our heads cut off, right? We we we're stressed out about the future. We don't really know exactly what we're stressed out about. it's just that general kind of all-encompassing stress. but if we can focus in on okay, I'm stressed because I don't want to give up cooking meals at home. I want to be able to stop work at 4 pm and have a great meal for my family by 5 p.m. whatever it is. I'm old so I eat early <laughs> but but knowing what those things are and 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 really looking at it from that non-negotiable perspective so that you're not, it, it won't be the same. It, if you go to a new company, if you decide to leave the company you're in, it's not going to be the same. So it's so important for you to know exactly what your non negotiables are in every area of the business to include how you're going to get that work life balance that you want.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so that one is huge to, again, just combat some of that anxiety that tends to happen to so many of us. I know many of those I work with talk about anxiety that starts first thing in the morning and then it just builds Mm -hmm. throughout the day, it's really starting to dig a little bit deeper underneath the circumstances and thinking about what are those things that we're ruminating on that we want to keep, that we don't want to lose, and where is it really coming from so that we can kind of extract ourselves out of that spiral that tends to happen and really become clear with what's important to us.
0: So if someone finds themselves at work, so whether that work is virtual or in person, and they find themselves in an inordinate amount of stress in the moment, what are one or two things that you would recommend that they do in that moment?
1: Yeah, so dealing with stress in the moment is one of my favorite Things to talk about just because, again, I'm no stranger to my own stress response and the way that it used to affect me. So, there was one particular work trip where back in 2016 where I started to feel really severe heart palpitations. I was feeling dizzy just getting up from my work. And all of these things just created the stacking effect of so many undesirable consequences on my health. And I really kind of rewinding and looking back, I didn't have those tools that I now find so helpful when stress is rising. So... A couple of things that I turn to when stress is happening in the immediate moment, so we had a trigger, maybe we're in the middle of a heated email exchange or Slack exchange with someone that we're not seeing eye to eye with, and we feel that surge of hormones rushing through the body. That's, of course, a result of that cortisol and adrenaline that's secreted in the body that causes the racing heartbeat, shallow breaths, tight muscles. And the way to start to come out of that is really through our breath. So I always share different breath strategies and the fact that The breath, we think of it as just something that happens in the background of our life, but it's actually not so. The breath is one of the unique functions of the body that can both be there when we're not conscious to it, so we don't have to think about breathing in order to breathe. But it's one of those things that we actually can bring to the forefront. And when we focus our attention on it, we can use it for our advantage. And the way that it works is through our nervous system, the breath is a signaling mechanism to the different parts of our biology. And so, when we're under stress, when we feel that surge of cortisol and adrenaline, what's happening is that our sympathetic nervous system is turned on. This is typically called our fight or flight mode. And so, we feel that surge, we start maybe that spiral or that panic mode activates. And so, more often than not, when we're in that state, we're breathing shallowly and we're breathing from the chest only. And oftentimes, we might even forget to breathe at all. So, we notice that we're under stress, we're reading that email we hold our breath and we have that tendency to tense up our muscles, round forward, it's as though we're preparing to run away from something. And so the first thing that I recommend everyone do when you find yourself in that place is to deepen the breath and to take this out of the realm of the esoteric and I have a yoga meditation background, but I know that that doesn't resonate to everyone and with everyone. And so the way that that actually ties into our physiology and to science, that we can actually now measure is that deepening the breath helps us drop into our parasympathetic nervous system. And the parasympathetic nervous system is what is in charge of our rest and digest mode. And the way that this works and the reason it works is because think about it from the point of view of your biology. If we are presented with an actual life threatening situation, we have to start breathing really sharply, we have to start moving a lot of oxygen to prepare our muscles to tense up, to run away from the threat when it's a real life-threatening situation. The thing is that today though, we treat emails and notifications and news articles as that life-threatening situation. Our body can't distinguish between the two. It's as though it's the same thing as reading that news article and being in a dark alley and someone is maybe about to mug you. It's the same response that we feel in the body. And so it's our job in those moments to remind our body that we're actually safe and that it's okay to start breathing deeply. And so deepening the breath when you're under stress, it doesn't have to look like anything super specific. It's really just this reminder to come back and check in with how you're breathing and to deepen the breath. So maybe taking in an inhale for a count of three to five and taking that same length of the exhale. So breathing in for five and exhaling for five for anywhere from three to five minutes, again, doesn't have to be too long. It's actually been shown that even three deep rounds of breath can start to stimulate that parasympathetic response. And so we want to spend more time in that parasympathetic response because that's the place where our muscles can relax, our heartbeat slows down, and we're able to think more clearly. So when we're in stress, when we're under stress, I think everyone's seen that Snickers commercial, you're not you and you're hungry. Well, (laughs) it's the same thing. You're not you and you're stressed. So just think about that the next time you feel that surge and you have those signals from the body where you feel, you know, out of sorts, you feel that panic mode activate. And just the simplest thing, if you can remember one thing from this conversation is just deepening the breath and centering yourself through the breath. So a count in for five and exhale for five, staying there for five minutes, and then just notice what difference it makes on your physical body and on your mental state. It's from that place that we're able to respond to... That email, that situation, whatever it is that's in front of us from a place of just a little bit more calmness and ease. And the more that we adopt this, the more it just becomes a muscle that we remember to flex. So it's just a mental muscle of remembering to check back in with yourself as opposed to responding first. Remember to take that space, create it, and take those deep breaths so that we get ourselves out of that reactive mode that we're in so much of the day. So returning to the breath is one of the simplest and easiest things. It's free. It's accessible to all of us because we're already breathing. We might as well just learn how to breathe more effectively and to our advantage. And just being mindful of how it is that we're breathing when we're under stress.
0: I love the way you described that because I've been told that my whole life. We all have to, you know, take deep breaths and that'll calm you down. But the physiology of it has never been explained to me. I really like that. And, and I would also add, I was reading a book this morning about specific about going into interviews and being stressed out. And I was talking about anytime you're in stress, lift your, put your palms palm up, put your hands down, palm up. And I thought, oh, okay. And so then I had a dentist appointment this morning. (laughs) I was stressed (laughs) out while I was getting my teeth cleaned. And I thought, well, I'm going to just try that. It came back to me and I tried it and I was like, this actually works. Like I feel so much, I, I don't have, I can't grab a hold of anything. I can't clench my wrists of my mm-hmm. hands. And it, it was really cool. So I think if you combine those two things, the breath and the putting your hands palm up, I think it would be a great kind of one-two punch for you.
1: I love that. And I think the reason why that works on a physical level, because I always love to, you know, break these things down for myself and really understand how it works is because exactly what you said, you can clench your fists and you're sending a signal to the body that you're safe. That's what this is all about. Through the breath and through any other means available to you, you know, maybe look around your surroundings, look down at your body, look down where you're sitting and just notice and remind yourself, hey, I'm actually safe here. Whatever is going on, it's just my perception of this being a stressful event. I'm actually safe. It's okay. Let me just take some time and really come out of this and recenter. Yeah, I think sometimes just thinking about what's the worst that could happen
0: in this situation really helps you to see that it's just not that bad. When you look at, okay, I made this mistake, I shot this email off in haste, and it wasn't very kind, or I said something to my boss that I'm now regretting, you know, really stopping to think, okay, worst case scenario... You know, it's probably not that bad. I'm not going to die. I'm probably not going to get fired. I'm not going to get demoted, you know, and then getting back into that kind of land of reality of what might happen or how can I, how can I mitigate the effects of what I just did? I think all of that is going to lower your stress.
1: Absolutely. And something really important on that point is because I work with so many high achievers and I work with quite a few founders and entrepreneurs as well. What I see so often is that we have a really hard time forgiving ourselves for our mistakes. And we have a really hard time with giving ourselves compassion. So when we do send that email, when we may have, shouldn't, maybe shouldn't have, when we respond from a place of not being centered, we use that against ourselves in the future and we remember bad and it just really fuels the stress more and more and so you know i am a meditation coach and this is one of the core tenets of mindfulness meditation is self compassion and non judgment but you know how can we practice more of those things in our day to day life it's about giving yourself grace and knowing that we're all just doing our best and even if you've reacted from that place just recognize that you were doing your best at the time with the tools that you had and so learning from it adopting better tools and just doing better Next time is all we can really do. I always remind, I had a post on my social media that really resonated with many people in September. It's just a reminder that we're living with more stimuli than ever before. There's environmental factors, you know, construction, loud noises, the lighting in the office or room that we're in, all of these micro things, right? The notifications on our phone, the news headlines that are designed to trigger us and get our attention, let alone. You know, aside from the conversations and our own thinking patterns, um, there's so many stimuli that we're living with. So let's just have that be a reminder to give yourself grace anytime you feel discouraged or, you know, demotivated about how you may have reacted in the past. It's just about knowing that you're doing your best and trying to adopt some of these better habits and tools to catch yourself and do a little bit better in the future.
0: Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, Marina. I've been smiling the whole time because (laughs) it's such important information. And for all of my overachievers, because I work with high achieving performers and stress is often sort of part of that package, being a type A personality, having that really strong drive. But it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a, a bad stress. There's, there's good stress and there's bad stress. And we want to get away from the good stress and have a healthy amount of, of, you know, things going on in our life and work that we need to do that energizes us, but doesn't leave us paralyzed or, or completely exhausted. So tell the people
1: how they can find you. Yeah. So my website is www.sumofallpositive.com. That's also how you can find me on Instagram and some other social media channels. It's S-U-M. Of all positives, you can always count on me for a more optimistic view on the different things that we often think of in a negative light. One of the things you shared is there is such a good stress. So it's just about being mindful when we are totally hijacked and focused on any kind of stress in our life. But And then I'm Marina Couric on LinkedIn, and I'm always here. I always love to interact with others, so you can feel free to just send me a message Let me know what you thought about this. And definitely if you have any ifs, ands, or buts as it relates to this, I just love learning more about where we currently are at as it relates to stress in, you know, now nearing the close of 2021. Yeah, I'm always here. Excellent. And I'll have all of that in the show notes. Marina, is there a freebie that you would like to offer the audience? Absolutely. So if anyone is facing a bit of a challenging time right now and you'd love more support around what it is that you're going through, if I can just help shed more light on ways that you could be supporting your physical body or your mental health better, because I today focus on stress from all the different angles that it appears to us and happens for us. So. The stress that the toll that stress takes on our physical body, our mental health, and our emotional health. I do provide a free stress breakthrough call. You can book that via the link that we'll, I think, include in the show notes. And that's really a way for you to become more familiar with just what you're up against right now, and then have some quick wins that you can start using right away. So similar to what I shared about breath work, I love giving easy tools that we can actually start using after the call right away to start feeling better excellent everybody check that out i think
0: that's a fabulous offer and as i said i'll have all of marina's information in the show notes so check that out and reach out to her and thanks guys so much for listening today and i'll see you next week take care you've been listening to the exclusive career coach with lisa edwards ceo of exclusive career coaching It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.